And I'm Miriam Soila Perez, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week we have an episode built around a musical instrument. Again, another musical instrument that um, you might initially find unusual uh, to find in Latin music if you're not aware of a ton of folk traditions, um, mm-hmm. much like the accordion. Mm-hmm. If um, you've heard of that episode, this week we are talking about the harp. Yeah, and you did all the research on this one, so you're going to take me on a journey that I'm excited about. <laughs> what yeah, are we that's listening right. to first? So we're going to start with the Venezuelan harp, which is how I came into this. You've been listening to Pajarillo de mi Tierra by Carlos Alvarado, Jose Miguel Aguilar, Gilberto Rivero, and Jose Gregorio Lopez. Let's take another listen. Me paso el tiempo pensando, se calman mis amarguras Solo cuando estoy cantando, cuando miro una bonita O cuando monto un caballo, voy a recordar que el tiempo Cuando era peón de sabana, que pastoreaba ganado Cerquita de Mateguamo, le decía a mis compañeros El sábado me emparrando, pa' cantarle a las muchachas De todo mi vecindario yeah, so, I mean, going back a little bit, I um, wanted to do an episode. We've talked about an episode about the harps, you and I, because mm-hmm. it's, again, like one of these instruments that it's possible to think about it as like this like deeply European instrument that lives like just within the classical music tradition coming out of that continent. But, right. of course, like colonization um, and like the mixing of musical traditions that happened with colonization and the slave trade and, um, you know, like everything that happened in Latin America as a result of those things have made the harp sort of a mainstay throughout Latin America. And it's evolved both in the ways that the like it physically looks like, you know, some of the strings, the number of strings are different, what the strings are made of is different, like how exactly they're played is different, the sound box, what like the wood is, it all affects the sound and different places have different sort of traditions with that. And um, the Venezuelan harp, there's actually two kinds of harps that are played in Venezuela. One is la arpa llanera and the other one is the arpa aragüeña. And um, this one that you've just heard is Arpallanera, which is probably the most um, popular. Um, And, you know, so many Llanera songs are about appreciating the land, um, like the moon and the big sky and the rivers and the vast plains. And they're peasant songs about peasant life, about like farming and really like thinking about like 
what some might see as like really repetitive and mundane work as like really meditative and really purposeful. And um, the harp is a huge part of this like Llanera music tradition. So um, we've spoken about tonadas before, which is a kind of Llanera music, which sounds really different from Joropo. Um, but has similar sort of themes. But this Joropo Llanero, I love it so much because it's so like minimal, right? It's like a voice, a harp, a cuatro, and maracas, and that's Mm -hmm. it, right? Um, And what you're listening to here in this song, the harp is the instrument that's doing the melody, right? It's like that really, really fast, like sort of like melodic instrument and Venezuelan harp is played very very fast right and that's one of the differences between like Latin American harps and classical harps Mm. um, is that like sometimes like you know like the harp if you're not familiar with the instrument and like what it like really sounds like it's like you know, like the harp that likes, you know, like when you're entering heaven, there's like the, (laughs) you know, like that's the, it's like the Mm (laughs) derigor instrument, right? And um, it's got like this like very like clear tone and carries like these beautiful melodies and, um, and, but it's usually played like, I think more slowly and, um, more like background, you know, it's like not like in like a large classical ensemble or, um, or, you know, like it, as an accompanying instrument is often not like the main thing. Obviously, that's like a generalization. There's compositions that are specifically for harps. There's harp solos in the classical tradition. But um, the Latin American harps are just so like I feel like in your face and um, fast and there. And especially in this song where you have like, you know, like the harp is the instrument that's carrying the melody. You really hear it. Like it's also has, this song also has a cuatro, which is like a small guitar with four strings. It sort of like looks like a ukulele, but it's tuned differently. Um, And that's doing sort of like the rhythmic chords. And then the maracas and the voice, right? Which is just typically um, this really high-pitched male voice. So this is very a very typical like um, llanera um, joropo, joropo llanero that is um, played with a harp. And I just think it's so beautiful. And it's really like probably my first contact with the harp ever, you know, because it's like such a mainstay, such a cultural mainstay in Venezuelan music. It's so interesting. Like, how did the harp get associated with heaven? <laughs> like, where does that come from? I don't know. I mean, it's like sort of like, I feel like it's like a meme in the like, but like old school ways. Like, it's like enough people painted enough cherubs or like one. I'm sure that art historians will know who the first artist right. was, like maybe in the Renaissance who painted a cherub with a harp and then like, maybe like Michelangelo did it and everybody wanted to be like Michelangelo. So then like they did it in that everybody else gave a cherub a harp. Well, you know what? I I was just looking at the Wikipedia page about harps, which is really interesting. I'm sure you looked at it. Um, and it says that, yeah, that there's actually references to the instrument in the Bible. Mm, um, and a lot of depictions. Instrument. Of, yeah. I mean, that's the, the, the thing that's interesting. It's like the harp goes way back to like, there's evidence of it like 3500 BCE in Asia and in Africa. So it's not necessarily originated in Europe. Um, 
Fascinating. I wonder if it's one of the older instruments. I mean, there's a lot of instruments that I think, you know, have go back way, way far back. But um, but yeah, so fascinating. Yeah, I feel like probably before there even was like dedicated instruments, humans were doing percussion. I imagine, yeah. right? Like, right, like, like drumming, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. But yeah, so like like you said, like it's a very very old instrument, like recorded in Persia and Egypt, mm-hmm. and so um, China, right? But like I feel like there, I don't know, like in the cultural imagination, there's this like idea of the harp as this like, you know, classical European yeah. instrument, yeah, and definitely. it's just like so far beyond yeah, that so with much like more a complex. lot of yeah 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 and there's like you know like african traditions and asian traditions with mm-hmm. harps and mm-hmm. um so it's not too much of a surprise to see it um throughout latin america so but like growing up with this kind of music did you think of it as like did you think of the harp as part of it like was that a key piece of this music for you like, were you aware yeah, of yeah. yeah, I mean, it is a really, like, because it's so few instruments in traditional llaneras, it's, like, a harp, cuatro maracas, and, like, the voice. Um, it's, yeah, it is a huge piece of it. And also, like, you know, if there is, like, a live, you know, joropo situation, because it's not so many instruments, it's not, like, so hard to set up. And Venezuela is such an interesting place because, like, every little place has, like, this really, like every like small geography has like a very particular tradition and you know like simon diaz was like a huge cultural force when i was a kid and um was such a big part of bringing our music to like the entire world like for example like alma llanera is a like a globally popular song like la lupe did alma llanera you know mm. like my dad once like had a mexican person say that alma llanera was from mexico and i'm like bro donde está el llano you know what i mean like <laughs> cuál es llano of mexicano well, you like, know what i mean like, it's like el burrito sabanero like where's the sabana <laughs> yeah yeah like donde está la sabana bro it's in venezuela <laughs> But like, but these, that's, I think that like, to me, that's not an insult. And it's more like about like how deeply resonant, like these songs have Mm -hmm. become like across Latin America, like people believe that they're from where they're from, because they're so like ingrained, right. And like, um, and I think that like Llanera music, because of the hard work of people like Simon Diaz, and like, you know, like, um cultural workers in venezuela who um were really dedicated to like putting venezuela's folk traditions out in the world there was a lot of this growing up and like live music was also a part of like you know knowing about Yanera. like my parents are not particularly musical people they're not really very interested in culture like generally you know like they have like very surface relationships to music and culture you know um but um other than food right they're really interested (laughs) in food but like i didn't grow up in a very musical household but it's just like such a deep part of like venezuela and cultural tradition that it's just like part of the water you swim in yeah it's interesting to think about europe as like this um, source of cultural production like a dominating Mm -hmm. cultural production and the way in which that like reinforces the idea of europe you know and like of certain colonial nations being yeah being you know 
smarter, being more productive, being more creative, more being more artistic, right? Like when in reality, like those things were happening all over the world. Um, and they were just, I mean, a colonialism, like really killed a lot of the like local cultural production and also, um, you know, it got overshadowed by like the colonial ways yeah. of doing things and that the, you know, the people who, who controlled like the record, like who's, who's rec, you know, whose work is being recorded, whose work is being preserved. All of that is also really replicates a lot of these like geopolitical dynamics. So obviously there's like these representations that like archeologists have found, you know, from like ancient times, but, but yeah, just, just the way that I don't know, Europe has been, or parts of Europe, especially Western Europe, have been like, have claimed sort of like as if they were the, I don't know, just dominant in cultural production in a way that's not actually true, but it's a part of the narrative. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that that's true of a place like the United States now. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Like, it's right. so interesting for me, for example, to like watch like, you know, like Filipinos doing like R&B right like filipino mm. r&b girl groups and it's just like it's not that like americans are making it particularly like incredible music i mean like you know like yes american music is great i love it listen to a lot of it you know like mm -hmm. and american musical traditions have had like huge global impact but it's not like because it's particularly great here or the people here are particularly genius. It's just because like there's a level of resource, there's a level of industry and there's hegemony, right? Yeah. Like American pop music is hegemonic, right? Yeah. So like if somebody in the Philippines is trying to like maybe become a global pop superstar, like they're not going to do it with like Filipino folk music. They're going to do it with maybe R&B with like something American, right? Yeah. And like it's possible for them to see themselves like say – um, in black American more right. than in white Americans, yeah. possibly, you know? Yeah, it's about but money like and power. That, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like a similar, it's very interesting to think of like the ways that like American music traditions are a huge part of like, like global hegemony. And I've thought a lot about how because of the way that like structurally things work in the United States and how much like cultural theft from blackness happens in the United States yeah. means that like there is no singular pop phenomenon that is global that is not touched by the American black experience, which is incredible and also so strange because of like that, you know, like how that's all tied to hegemony. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, and culture, cultural production is a part, has been a part of like, political propaganda historically right like these things are all very connected for sure yeah like for exporting sure. american cultural product has been a part of the american political project and continues to yeah. be yeah yeah soft power yep yep all right well you you explored other countries that also have harp traditions in latin america i did but i'm gonna play another kind of venezuelan harp because oh, cool. venezuela has two different harp traditions oh, this awesome. is arpa llanera and I also wanted to explore Arpa Aragüeña, okay. which is um, often found in Joropo Tullero. And this is a Joropo Mirandino by Silvino Armas. Y 
se bañará en la gruta para que más no se sienta. Así llega a los 90 con la coyuntura sana y de todo tendrá ganas y nunca será enfermizo. Por eso doy este aviso a Guayagua que pinta cana con mucha lana de amar. Vive el viejo cuarenta con mucha gana de amar. Vive el hombre cuarenta como el bien también bailar, también bailará, es hora de comenzar, a comenzar, no es hora de beber, eso de comer jalea y vivir como un pachano, ya que no es viejo el anciano, ni viejo el que tambalea. El hombre que no se cuida es viejo a los 35. No, 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 no. El viejo a los 35. Dispuesto a mirar un brinco en lo mejor de su vida. En lo mejor de su vida. Y que le Okay, so that's a pretty different sound. Yeah, I mean, it's like similar and also not, right? So like it's yeah. still a joropo, but it's a joropo tuyero, um, which refers to joropo that's from El Valle del Tuy in Venezuela, in the state of Miranda. So this is called joropo mirandino because it's from Miranda. And mm. um, Silvino Armas was a joropo tuyero legend. He died in 2009. Um, but this is played, Joropo Duero is played with a harp, which I believe is smaller, but most importantly, it has metal strings, which is really um. unusual for a harp. Traditional uh, harps were made out of catgut, aka like animal intestines, but mm-hmm. currently most harp strings are made out of nylon, um, but not metal, right? And some of them are played with, a, you know, classical harp is played with the fingers directly. Um, in Joropo, they're played with your fingernails, but because these are metal strings, they have these like artificial metallic fingernail mm. extension things that are like worn as rings on the tips of the fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has this like larger sound box. So the way that the harp works, it has like this, like, it's like sort of a triangle shape. Um, where um, the top is like, you know, like a little like post and then on the bottom, which is the part that is closest to the person who plays the instrument is a sound box and that varies in size, which obviously um, changes the sound of the instrument, right? Like it's like this like hollow box where like the sound waves resonate and it like affects the sound quality. Of, of the harp and throughout Latin America the harp is like the sound box changes the you know wood changes like how many strings changes and in this case the um, what the strings are made out of wow. change do guitars have metal some metal strings yeah some guitars have yeah. metallic strings I believe that classical span or I believe that yeah. like classical Spanish guitars have nylon strings but like uh, like the more like um, I, I don't know if it's like an American guitar, but like, you know, like a cla- like a acoustic guitar that you would like get in most places would have metal strings. But like for but like a Spanish guitar has nylon strings. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. People are so or like inventive. an electric guitar has metal strings. Right. 
right, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. People are so inventive. Can you imagine like being like butchering an animal and being like, huh, this fiber inside of these animal intestines, what if we dry it and like stretch it out and pluck it and see what happens? I know. know? I know. It's incredible. I know. It's really incredible that like that desire to make music. instrument. Yeah, string instrument traditions are a part of like lots of different places. So like Mm -hmm. lots of people had those ideas all over the world. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we going to do with this thing? You know, like this animal died for us. So like, let's play its guts. Well, and like, and like drums were made of skins often, right? Too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a common and like, and then other bones, right? People use bones as instruments Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Do you remember like seeing harps being played? in person in in venezuela like did you yeah, ever see yeah for yeah. sure oh cool for sure, yeah. i did not yeah. grow up with any like references to harps at all except like the weird like god heaven references i don't think i've ever <laughs> i'm like not sure i've ever seen a harp in person you know oh wow i had a um best friend early on in college who was like one of those like you know like really intense friendships when you thought you were straight that like ended really (laughs) intensely and then you're like not sure what happened Uh there and then like Uh decades later you're like oh (laughs) i know exactly what you're talking about Mm -hmm. i have i have one of those too Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so uh she uh, played the harp (laughs) and um so like i was around i went to like a lot of i had a lot of friends who were um music musicians okay okay saw um saw a lot of like classical stuff but because of them yeah um I'm sort of into these very un- impractical instruments, you know, like these huge harps it's a while. or like the standing yeah, like, bass or like yeah. the ginormous tuba, <laughs> like things that are just like, yeah, I feel like for a harp, you need a car. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could wheel it around the I subway, mean, I think but they my do God. Have, I mean, people do that in New York for sure. I feel like that is like not an unusual sight to see somebody with like some big instrument going to like yeah, play somewhere. Yeah, I've definitely somewhere. seen a standing bass. I've never seen somebody and with a harp. harp yeah, I mean, a harp is train. another level because it's even more, it's even heavier and probably so expensive. Can you imagine? It's such a weird shape. <laughs> I'm you know, into weird it's instruments, like it's a weird though. Big triangle. I think it's like so cool. Yeah, no, definitely like wasn't an option in like my seventh grade band that we had to take. You know, like the, <laughs> the harp if it was not an option. Maybe I would have been interested if it was. I don't know. Right? Um, it's so weird. Maybe it was, it was above the pay. It was above instrument. the budget for the North Carolina public school system to buy a harp. <laughs> um. Wow. So interesting. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now, are we going to move on to a different? country yeah i can we can move on from venezuela just, i mean we don't have know. to but i just <laughs> i see your notes and i know no, you have other no, th- no. other places to explore we but. do we do we're gonna move on from venezuela there's a lot of dope uh harps in venezuela though if you want to explore there's like this one album called um Arps du Venezuela, which is like in French, like some like French, you know, person, company situation, like put together like a, like this whole thing of Venezuelan harps. And mm. that's where I got the first song that we listened to. And there's like a whole like, you know, like uh, compilation of musicians and harpists. And it's really dope if you're interested in Venezuelan harp traditions. So go check that out. But for now, we can move on to the harp in Paraguay. Mm. Yeah, awesome. so 
I learned doing this episode that the harp is the national instrument of Paraguay. Wow. Um, which I had no idea about. And there's a specific kind of harp, which is the Paraguayan harp, which is like this result of the confluence of like European and Guarani musical cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am going with a real Paraguayan harp classic here. Um, this is one of like, like if you're like anything if you're any kind of anybody with uh, the paraguayan harp there's like three songs that are like very very fast that you're supposed to be able to play well and Mm. this is one of them this is called el tren lechero and we're gonna hear a version of it by paraguayan harp legend alfredo rolando ortiz Yeah, isn't that so, so fast? So fast. It sounds really difficult to play. And also like a really weird beginning that's kind of like misophonic a little bit. Is that the right word? Yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But that sounds right. It doesn't sound sound good, quote unquote, right? It has like a little bit of like a (laughs) gratingness to it. Yeah, well, tell so us about apparently this. you ain't shit in Paraguayan harp if you can't play this song and like a couple <laughs> of other songs. Like I'm gonna believe you. You are nobody. How would I know? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked about Paraguay much. I feel like it's definitely no often no. overlooked in Latin American cultural studies. Small country. Yeah, but like so, this is like a huge part of like Guarani musical traditions currently. And um, if you hear it, like it's so fast and so complex and just like absolutely stunning. So I totally believe it that this is like one of the prove yourself songs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally believe and it. 
El Tren Lechero is um, a song, like a folk song from mm-hmm. Paraguay, based on this lore from the first national train with a steam engine. It apparently was like the first steam engine train in South America and this like great source of national pride. So there's like oh. this folk song called El Tren Lechero, which maybe like milk was one of the first things right. it transported, you know? Right, yeah. Um, the milk train. And... Um, <laughs> And so, like, this, there's many, many versions of this song. It is a folk song, um, but this one is done by um, Paraguayan harpist Alfredo Rolando Ortiz. I wonder if the sound at the beginning was meant to imitate the sound of the train. Oh, maybe. Sort of, like, maybe. could maybe be, like, the sound of a train coming to a stop, potentially. Um, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, so like apparently the like the usual number of uh, strings is around thirty six here, but like some of them have as many as forty, so it's not even standardized specifically like how many strings these might have. But um, they um, come out of holes from like the center of the lower side, and like um, it, it's like in a way that like is like sort of ideal for left-handed harpists. Like I think that the way that like a classical harp is constructed, you have to have like either a righty harp or a lefty harp. And these, because they come from the center, it doesn't matter. Um, but, um, yeah, it's like very light in construction and like weighs usually between like seven and 12 pounds, which is like, pretty great you know for, for like a big instrument what can be like yeah sometimes a, a big instrument so these are about like five feet tall um some like the classical harps i think are a little bit bigger usually um but but yeah these there's the paraguayan harp is um actually like so so popular that like one of the things that I was reading said that like it actually is like endangering a little bit like other kinds of harps in Latin America, like oh. other kinds of harp traditions because or not like endangering, but because it's so big, like people choose to play the Paraguayan's harp over like, you know, like mm-hmm. some harpists, like some like like we're going to talk a little bit about Andean harps, right, which are played right. in like Ecuador and other places in the Andes. Um but so like they'll choose to perform on Paraguayan style instruments, but not like in their own style because it's like so like this, like such a big um, musical tradition. Fascinating. You know, what's so interesting that I'm seeing in this in this Wikipedia article about Paraguayan harps, which I wonder if it's true outside of Paraguay, that the music is mostly not written down and that it's taught yes. through oral tradition and like played by ear. I'm like, that is bananas. Like... <laughs> <laughs> the amount of skill you have to have to play by ear and I don't even know how you teach yeah. like I guess they just do it and you like copy it but that's like yeah amazing and also like I'm concerned for the survival of something when it's past town that way you know yeah it's so fascinating how like when um you know, we're so reliant on a written tradition, right? And we are like, sort of like the products, like our knowledge is sort of the products of like generations and generations of written traditions. Um, And, you know, colonialism is part of that, right? Because so many different indigenous societies had oral traditions, which is why we know so little about them post genocides, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I feel like it's it would be so it's so interesting to me like I wonder if like um you know like what it does to like your ability to remember things if your tradition is oral right if like that is the way that like you've learned to um to like recall things is by like oral traditions um but but yeah that is a really really fascinating and obviously to me as a person who really relies on writing sounds so hard well it's and it's like i think both things favor certain types of learners right like and for music like my mom plays the piano but can't really read music but she can i mean she can read music a little bit but she can play anything by ear so if she hears something she can pick it out on the piano like that's a particular like yeah i think innate skill set that she has that you know she took some piano lessons but like they don't teach that way they teach usually with written so you know it would mean certain people, you know, it would require a certain skill set to be able to learn that way and to be able to like hear and then and then repeat something on the harp. But yeah, things that are rely on written music also, you know, biases a certain type of learner, right? Somebody who can read yeah, music. And yeah, then there is a music pedagogy. There is a music pedagogy that is about learning by ear. It's called Suzuki. Oh, and, oh I've heard of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's not a uh, uncommon way that people learn music in the United States. Okay. And there's like various songs that like it favors learning by ear versus learning like written music. Like right. it's, you know, like if you are meant to be an advanced musician, they do obviously teach you like, you know, how to read written music, but it favors the ear because it, it um, it helps you develop better pitch, mm. right? So, like, if you're able to pick it out, if you're able to, like, hear something and be like, oh, that's an F sharp, you know, like, that's a very helpful skill right. um, to have as a musician. Yeah. Um, did you did so you there play are any? some pedagogies uh-huh. that way. Did you play any instruments growing up? I can't remember. I did. I played the piano, but my uh, father was a tyrant who, like, didn't understand what practicing was for, and he was, like, didn't – he like yelled at me every time that I made a mistake. Mm. So I quit. <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to live like this. Yeah. I, I took piano lessons like basically my whole childhood. It was mostly one of those things where it's like something my mom really wanted to do and didn't get to do. And so she wanted us to do it, but I never, I never really enjoyed it. Yeah. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't. I really, really wanted to. So basically I started taking piano lessons when we moved to the United States. Like mm-hmm. probably I was like 12 or th- I was like, you know, yeah, I was 13 or 14 maybe when I started and I only lasted a few years. I probably quit when I was 17 years old before I was done with high school. Um, but I always really, really like when I was little, I wanted to be a composer, which is like, who oh, wow. wants to be a composer? <laughs> I mean, that's cool. Little. Yeah, no, I think it's cool, but it's just like, it's like, what a weird kid, you know, like, it was like, yes, Beethoven, that's what I want to be, <laughs> you know? I mean, his life was um, kind of hard, so I don't know what you really want to be. Yeah, 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 I mean. <laughs> but I understand what you mean, yeah. But, um, but so I was very excited about it, but then I was like, I couldn't handle the, you know, the tyranny, so I was like, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's not, that's not, that's not a helpful pedagogy. Wait, did I, did I already tell you about the show Mozart in the Jungle? Now that I know you wanted to be a composer. You did tell me I that. I feel like you, you should watch it. I feel like I want you, to watch it. You should it. watch it even more. It's on, it's Amazon, on Amazon Prime, but it's really interesting. Now that I know okay, about maybe your, I will. your I secret dreams of being a composer. 
<laughs> I just finished The Sopranos again, so maybe that's next for me. Maybe it's time. Yeah, there's like four or five seasons. I, I'd be curious to know what you think of it. Um, wow, I guess, you know, all these years into our friendship and this podcast, and I still, I learn new things every day. <laughs> that was composer dreams. Amazing. I know. I I'm really sorry wanted that to be a composer were when I was like nine. Smashed by your father's tyr- tyranny, but... Yeah, what are you going to do? No, what are you going to do? <laughs> All right, what's next? I'm really enjoying this. So I also learned in doing this that the harp has a wide tradition in Mexico as well. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting because I feel like I knew some stuff about Song Harocho, but I did not know that the harp was like such a big part of oh. um, the musical traditions of Veracruz. Um, and um, I learned researching for this episode about the Arpa Jarocha, which is this large wooden harp that's normally played standing, right? So many harps are played sitting. Um, mm. But this one is played standing, and um, I chose to bring a song that most people will probably know, but have it with a prominent harp, just so that you all can hear that. So this is La Bamba, and it's by Tlaine Wicani. <laughs> Necesita una poca de gracia ¿Y qué más? Una poca de gracia y otra cosita Y arriba y arriba Arribita. Arriba y arriba y arriba iré Yo no soy marinero Yo no soy marinero Por ti seré, por ti seré, por ti seré En la bamba señores En la bamba señores La melodía que nos pone en el alma ¿Qué cosa? Que nos pone en el alma luz y alegría Y arriba y arriba Ay, arriba y arriba y arriba iré Yo no soy marinero Yo no soy marinero por ti seré Okay, that's a different take than the one most of us have probably heard. Yeah, <laughs> different, different. Um, so Tlenwikani is a band that you've brought before, Perez. Mm-hmm. You actually brought it to our last Halloween episode. Oh, brought fun. them to our last Halloween episode. Tlenwikani means the singers in Nahuatl. And um, it was uh, founded by a renowned Mexican harpist. He's the musical director, Alberto de la Rosa of um, Tlenwikani. It's basically like a band from Veracruz that made the Arpa Jarocha the centerpiece of their entire sound. Um, And yeah, I wanted to include La Bamba because it is such a well-known song and um, I wanted y'all to hear the harp in a format that you already knew, right? Um, I know, like, not... We've talked about this a lot. Like, not everyone's really great at picking out instruments all the time. 
And um, it's something that definitely requires practice and that I like honed in college when I was going to like my friends' recitals who were mm. in the music department. Um, but I think that hopefully listening to this episode and all the different songs and listening to a song that you probably know a version of but doesn't have the harp in it um, will um, help you do that. Yeah, no, I do, I do think that's helping a lot. And it's such a pretty instrument. I really love it this is. sound. It is so pretty. It is so pretty. Yeah, I, um, you know, if you all are interested in, like, I feel like I learned a lot about how to, like, pick out instruments from um, music by um, seeing, like, really large live music with complex instrumentation. So, like, like for example, either like seeing like a classical orchestra, but also like live salsa, right? Like it's so helpful to like look at an instrument and then try to hear it and like sort of like zoom into like what that sounds like and then like zoom out and like hear it as its role in the larger whole. Um, but yeah, I feel like the visual and the sonic really helps. No, I think that's you know. really good advice about, it's definitely something that I um, could use more practice in sort of like being able to like, auditorily identify different instruments and, and ID them. And now it makes sense. I didn't know you had all these friends who were in the music department in college. I didn't have any friends in the music department. Also, did we have a music yeah, department? Yeah. I don't even know if we had a music department, to be honest. It's a small college. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think that's good advice, yeah. like watching orchestras and things like that. You can start to hear the different instruments. Um, yeah yeah and i guess like you could do it on youtube too right i know that like right. a lot of times like classical orchestral stuff isn't super accessible but mm -hmm. like depending on your city i would encourage y'all to look up what like free community offerings local orchestras have because like they often really do like i don't know i it's so funny because like orchestras are like i wonder why like the people who come are not like a diverse group of people and then they like only put on music by white people and like <laughs> right. don't like hire like composers of color and like whatever mm -hmm. it's just the classical music world is like i'm not even really in it but it's like wilds but um but well, those yeah, norms about often, how you're supposed to dress too that are very like yeah, exclusionary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you can either like be excited about bringing new people in or be pissed that people aren't wearing black tie to the orchestra. You can't do both. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nope. No, you cannot do both. <laughs> but because yeah, but because they are because they are trying to bring people in, like new groups of people in, there's often discounted days. So mm. if even if classical music hasn't historically been your vibe, like mm, right. it's like, you know, fun to go once and like pick out all the instruments and like look at the harp in the back or like some percussionist or somebody doing something weird in the back and see like if you can hear uh -huh. it. Yeah. I love that. Totally. So it's so interesting that the harp is, is part of Son Harocho because um, I knew somebody in a Son Harocho group in DC um, many years ago and went to a few of um, their concert, like their parties, which are essentially like concerts, like they're playing and everyone's just, it's very like communal, um, but there were no harps. And I think that's probably just an accessibility thing of just like, no one knew how to play it. And it's like a hard instrument to, you know, have and get around. Yeah. It makes sense that I can see, I can hear how it can really fit into the genre. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, so like Harocho just means, I think, from Veracruz. So I don't know, actually, if like harps are part of like song Harocho, oh. as we understand it as a genre today, or if it's I like see. Arpa Harocha is just a whole different I see like, what you mean. Okay. sound, you know? Yeah. But I do think that like Arpa Harocha 
does sometimes make appearances in Song Harocho, maybe. Um, but I feel like I don't know enough about about it. Okay, I just want to tell you, I was I was trying to Google are there harps in Song Harocho music, but when you Google are there harps in, the like automated responses are there harps in heaven. <laughs> See? No, the Wikipedia for Song Harocho has the Arpa Harocha in the instruments that are often part of it. So, Okay, yeah, it sounds wrong. like it does. Yeah, it sounds like um, the Arpa Veracruzana, actually, according to this article about Song Harocho, um, is often part of the ensemble. Yeah, and I mean, La Bamba is probably the most popular Song Harocho ever. Um, and we do... Um, you know, it was most popularized by Richie Valens, but you mm-hmm. know he didn't. It's not like his song. It's like a like a Veracruz classic, so it fits into the um, the arpa harocha. Yeah, I love this harp journey. Where are we going next? We are gonna go up the mountains to Los Andes. All right. So uh, there is a really rich Andean harp tradition. Um, it's often also known as the Peruvian harp, but the, it's also the Andean harp is also popular in um, Bolivia and Ecuador and like very, very popular among like Quechua and Aymara folks. So um, in Peru. And the song that I brought to you is a Peruvian classic. Um, it's Balicha by Florencio Coronado. how different each one of these sounds you know it's like the same and i mean obviously there's variety variations on the instrument but um just really diverse sounds coming from these different regions yeah yeah for sure this song is a wino which is an andean music genre and a dance particular pop particularly popular um um among wherever quechua people live um it's this combination of like traditional rural folk music and popular urban dance music and it's like these really high pitched vocals traditionally accompanied by like 
Kena and Harp and um, Siku or Panpipe, um, accordion sometimes, saxophone, like so all, all these different instruments, guitar, mandolin. Um, and so Waino is, again, like the mix of all these different um, musical traditions, but some of the elements of it really um, were originate in the pre-Columbian Andes, right? Like especially in the territory of um, the Inca Empire. And there's this like really distinctive rhythm where the first beat is like stressed and followed by two short beats Mm. um, that is very particular to um, Waino, which is this like this uh, harp rendition of Balicha, which is like a popular Waino, is is a version of that. Very cool. Yeah, it has a very distinctive sound that I like associate with the Andes and like indigenous communities in that region. Yeah. So I was reading about this song, which is like apparently like a really this emblematic Peruvian folk song, right? Like uh, Peruvians like, um, you know, perform this at home, perform this abroad. It's like part of like a really like culturally significant song. And it's inspired by a true story. The person who, um, it's this like it's inspired by this like sort of like a doomed love story where like this like sort of like wealthy terrateniente like you know because of like racism and colonialism and everything that we all talk about all the time um there's a really a lot there's has a lot of segregation between indigenous people and like white landowners right and mm-hmm. this song is about um two lovers and the person who wrote the song is was like this like well the son of a wealthy landowner and he fell in love with this like young indigenous woman whose family worked on his like estate and like they had this like long romance during their teen years that was like secret and blah 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 and um it just like wasn't meant to be because of you know like social and class and race implications and um so like this person who wrote the song Miguel Angel like he wrote the song first wrote the melody like which dedicated to her but later on like you know, like, he got in trouble and she got in trouble with their families. And in the end, like, she decided to, like, leave and, like, bounce and, like, go with another man because it was just, like, too difficult. But, um, and then he wrote the lyrics to this song that was, like, this, uh, you know, like, this, like, devastating song um, about, like, this, like, doomed love story. And this, like, this is, like, a, like, this is a real, like, story, right? Like, the Mm. woman to who this song, like, about whom this song was, you know, like, the person who wrote this song, Miguel Angel Hurtado Delgado, was the, this, like, wealthy landowner's son who fell in love with this woman who, like, you know, like, was, um, like, a real life person who, passed in like 2014 right so um but yeah i was very interested in that yeah yeah there's so many i feel like that's such a cultural trope that crosses borders of like the Mm -hmm. yeah the uh, forbidden love the the love that is every novella right (laughs) every novella shakespeare there's like 
there's a really interesting story in, in the city of Guanajuato about El Callejón del Beso, because there was like a couple that were separated by this callejón and they couldn't be together. So they would like get on the balcony and like try to kiss across the balconies because their families were keeping them. You know, it's just like, I feel like there's so many of these stories like our, where as people were like fascinated by these stories of love that can't be, you know? Yeah, yeah. And in the end, she decided that she's like, absolutely not. This like is too hard. I, I can't do this with you. Mm. Um, and that's what inspired this song. So they weren't murdered by their family or something. <laughs> no, they weren't murdered by their family. So it wasn't written but... by Shakespeare. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Did you find any? Um, I know Venezuela is like, you know, Caribbean adjacent, but did you find any harp in like the other parts of the Caribbean? The Spanish-speaking Caribbean? I did not find any harp in any of the islands. That yeah. doesn't mean that it's not at all there, but I don't think it's part of any of the like folk traditions yeah. in um, like Puerto Rico or um, Dominican Republic or Cuba. Yeah. And I feel like we would know just because like mm -hmm. of those islands' relationship, like the migrant communities of those islands' relationship to the United States part of like that like what like makes music hegemonic right like we all know so well like dominican mm -hmm. music and puerto rican music mm -hmm. and um mexican music mm -hmm. and um cuban music right like those right. those musical traditions have like deep holds in the united states latino community and that like gives it like una palanca para el resto del mundo mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah in a different kind of way so i feel like pretty confident that we would know yeah i think we would too yeah and i don't really don't have any knowledge or reference to harp harps and cuban music yeah. so cool. i mean i'm sure there are harpists maybe in classical traditions right yeah or maybe playing like you know like an odd bird playing a venezuelan harp <laughs> somewhere in the dr <laughs> i like that um, picture <laughs> um thank you so much for this uh this research i feel like i learned a lot and now i like weirdly yeah. want to like play the harp <laughs> <laughs> i learned a lot too and i encourage you to play the harp i mean because, where how you know would i even do that i bet it's not very expensive to find harp lessons i don't think that like people are like chomping at the bit so to take you would, harp but lessons. you think that would make it m m less expensive but i think it actually makes it more expensive because there's few people oh, who teach it there's probably like yeah. two people in dc who right. play the harp exactly yeah. i don't know i don't know when i tried to find an accordion i tried to learn the accordion briefly and there was like one teacher and she was not taking new students but she also taught like 12 other instruments you know so uh, i don't think it was the accordion <laughs> that was taking up all her time but uh i think i'd really just like rather be able to sit down at one and just like play around which is also probably very unlikely. yeah 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 you just need to like go somewhere with a harp and like plug a few strings and be done with it i know yeah exactly <laughs> and be like i have my little heaven gates of heaven fantasy and be done <laughs> yeah i just do like go do the, the yep. thing <laughs> well i hope you may visit a uh, harp one day soon uh, one day put it on my bucket list <laughs> 
Um, well, all the information about these songs is on our show notes at RileyMenea.com. Make sure to follow us on our various social medias and our newsletter where we tell you the things that we are into these days. Mm -hmm. And as always, thank you to Maite for the editing help. See you next week, babies. Hasta la próxima. Bye.